Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com. That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com. Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down or call 630-629-1720. Morningstar Books and Gifts, 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. I've introduced to you the fact that I am a Byzantine Catholic. And, and usually I, I begin the program by saying glory to Jesus Christ, which is the traditional greeting of a Byzantine Catholic. Now, many of you may not be familiar with what a Byzantine Catholic is. There was also, it was also known as a Greek Catholic, but in recent years in America, my particular church has preferred the term Byzantine because we're not Greek. At least our ethnic origin is not Greek, but our spiritual heritage did come from the Greeks. You see, in the church, there are many expressions of the one same faith. John Paul II called this the church breathing with two lungs, east and west. Whichever direction the church developed, in other words, when the apostles went to every corner of the earth and the world to bring the message of Christ, if they went east, the church took on the character of the eastern culture it was in. If it went west, it took on the character of the western culture it was in. Same faith, eventually same pope, as it were, same Catholic faith, but expressed or lived in two fundamentally different ways, one in Eastern perspective, one in Western perspective. Actually, in the church, there's 21 different ways to be Catholic, 21. That's right. Most people only know the first one, the biggest one, the Latin rite, but it's not the only one. In fact, if you go to certain parts of the world, such as where my heritage came from, and we're going to be talking about today, such as the area of Central Europe, Ukraine, Russia, or even the Middle East, and even in parts of Canada, you'll find that these areas of the world, the dominant faith is actually of the eastern lung of the church, or sometimes called the Byzantine Rite. In the 9th century and in the 10th centuries, this region of Europe, which is the exact epicenter of Europe, it's the meeting point of all of Europe. It's where Ukraine, Slovakia, Hungary all come together, and Russia is just a little east of that, and Western Europe just a little west. It's the exact epicenter of Europe, the meeting point, the crossroads of Europe. In the 10th and 9th centuries, 
Missionaries came from the Byzantine church, which meant it was a church of the Byzantine Empire at the time, and they went into the Slavic lands and they brought Christianity to the Slavic people. And those Slavic people in time became known as various groups such as Croatians, there's Slovaks, there's Rusins, there's Ukrainians, etc. But this area was evangelized in part in the 9th century by Cyril and Methodius, and then by other missionaries later on in the 10th century who went to the areas of the Ukraine. And this area had a very, very rich heritage in a lot of ways. It's rich land for farming, some of the rich, the breadbasket of Europe. It's, it's rich in its spirituality, in, its, in the faithfulness of the people, in their heritage, in their history. And also, it's rich in their witness of suffering in recent years in modern history. This area of the world suffered terribly under the oppression of atheist communist Soviet Union, under communism. And it's only in recent years, starting in the 1990s, that this area of the world has come out from under the tyranny of communism as the Iron Curtain fell. And what's become of them is equally as fascinating as their history prior to communism. And we're privileged today to have a couple of people here who can fill us in a lot of this background and of something very significant that's happening in this part of the world today, something that has significance for the whole church and for the world. I want to welcome to our program here today our guest, Marta. Kolom Yayets, Director of Program and Communications of the Ukrainian Catholic Education Foundation, and also Joe Solomini, Development Manager for the Ukrainian Catholic Education Foundation. Welcome to Light of the East. Thank you, Father. Very nice to be here. Good so, afternoon, Father. So tell us a little bit about what you, the Ukrainian Catholic Education Foundation is and the Ukrainian Catholic University. Give us a little background. We have lots to talk about in, the, in this issue. Hey, um... The Ukrainian Catholic Education Foundation is the fundraising arm of the Ukrainian Catholic University. We're based in, we're North American, we're based in Chicago and in Toronto, and we've been in existence for over 10 years. However, the Ukrainian Catholic University dates back to the 1920s. Metropolitan Andrei Sheptitsky, one of the most important figures in the history of the Ukrainian Catholic Church and modern-day Ukraine, took the first steps towards creating a Ukrainian Catholic University by founding the Greek Catholic Theological Academy in Lviv, in western Ukraine, in 1928. Um, his, one of his students, the Reverend Gustav Slipy, became the first rector. Though the Soviets closed the academy in 1944, the alumni of the Greek Catholic Theological Academy formed the backbone of the largest clandestine church in history during the communist persecution. The church, the Ukrainian Catholic Church, was liquidated in 1946, uh, Re uh, the rector, Slipe, was sent to Siberia, but he was released by the Soviets in 1963. And Cardinal Slipe then founded the Ukrainian Catholic University of Pope's, Pope St. Clement in Rome, which offered a small seminary program and a number of summer programs for students from around the world. In 1992, soon after the declaration of Ukraine's independence, faculty and alumni of the university in Rome began planning the revival of the academy in Ukraine and in 1994, the Lviv Theological Academy was reestablished. Later on, that turned into the Ukrainian Catholic University, which is now celebrating 16 years as the first Catholic university on the territory of the former Soviet Union. Now, you have some other events you want to talk about, too, related to this university. That's true. Um, the university uh, also has quite a few significant partnerships with universities in North America and in Europe. And one of them um, is Fordham University out in New York. Lubomir Cardinal Huzar, who are, is our retired 
head of the church, attended there, and he uh, there will be a blessing of a plaque in his honor at the chapel, mm-hmm. and that'll be November 20th. That's a Sunday afternoon. That'll be followed by the bestowing of an honorary doctorate on uh, the new the new patriarch, Svetislav Shevchuk, and also the signing of uh, a memorandum of understanding on academic exchanges between Fordham and the Ukrainian Catholic University. Mm-hmm. We also work closely with Notre Dame. We're trying to establish a relationship with Loyola mm-hmm. here in Chicago. Oh, we have a nice relationship with the Catholic University, um, Catholic University in Washington, D.C. So all of that is growing. Absolutely. So does it... Yeah, and, that, and also too. Yeah, we recently met uh, when our vice rector was in. We met with uh, Benedictine University in Lyle. Uh, that was uh, tremendous. Oh, yeah, good. And then uh, also have forged a partnership with uh, St. Mary's University in uh, in Calgary, and have some spirited uh, gentlemen out there. Ed, if, Ed and uh, Andy, if you're listening, thank you for all your help. <laughs> uh, they've done a great job. And actually, on the 15th of November, we're having mm. a uh, event at St. Mary's University that mm. is uh, bringing awareness to both our Ukrainian Catholic University, as well as St. Mary's uh, with a, uh, a, a dinner and fundraiser. And universities require tuition usually. And Marta told us before, it's not like under communism, we have to bribe your way into it. I know we found that kind of strange and funny almost, but that was the reality there. And it's no longer the reality. But what does it cost to go there if you're a student? Uh, Joe, I'll put that question to you. Yeah, uh, actually, the you know by Western standards, I mean the the costs are is, is just unbelievable. The, the amount of, of education you can get for your for your dollar, and basically tuition uh, is thirty three hundred dollars uh, per year. Uh, uh, yeah, believe it or not, and then uh, for with with room and board that would be uh, fifty three hundred dollars. So part of the things that we're doing is we're evangelizing out there is, you know, for, for those that want to support a student uh, mm-hmm. or, or foundations or, or, or businesses, um, the amount uh, of good that they could do with their donation, it's, uh, it's just astronomical. And as, as noted, you know, the, the education that these students are receiving and giving back. So it's, it's that circle, as you've always talked about, yes. Father, things, you know, the, the world is, is circular. So that gift really is very, very, very right. effective. John and Paul II used to talk about that, that concept of reciprocity. That as we live by the principle of making a gift of self, we ultimately get back in the process. It's that marvelous reciprocity that God built into our reality. <laughs> but, if we, but again, it's based on that Christian ethos of developing oneself. Because, you know, you can't give what you don't have. So you develop yourself by, by putting, aligning yourself with an institution like this, which is going to treat the whole person and, and teach education through the lens of the Christian view, the sacramental view, the truly human view. And it's going to develop that person in a way they're going to be able to give to the world. And in doing so, they're going to get back. So it's that marvelous reciprocity. Again, is the very, for that little bit of tuition, you're coming... You're, you have the privilege of attending one of the most significant, probably one of the most significant institutions on earth at this time in history. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to talk more about the history, the background, the significance of the Ukraine, the church in Ukraine, and also this university when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion and to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church. We need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. 
That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Can you imagine living a life without love, marriage, intimacy, sex, having children, or friendship? Of course not. I am Father Thomas Loya with a Theology of the Body moment for the Tabor Life Institute. Why do we desire these things so much? It is because God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is a union and communion of persons who united Himself with us in what the Scripture describes as a mystical marriage, a fruitful self-giving. Scripture also says that we are made in God's image and likeness, so we too are called to become a union and communion of persons in fruitful self-giving. This is why we cannot imagine living without marriage, intimacy, sex, having children, and friendship. Pope John Paul II said in his Theology of the Body that these are the very things that make us most like God. To find out more about the Theology of the Body, visit TaborLife.org. TaborLife.org. You're listening to Father Thomas Lawyer on Light of the East. Welcome back to Light of the East. Our guest today are from the Ukrainian Catholic University, actually specifically Ukrainian Catholic Education Foundation, which supports a monumental entity in the Ukraine, which was once under communist Soviet oppression, and the church was liquidated. I know my own family, my own relatives had had suffered under persecution, and so this is a subject very dear to my own heart. And a lot of people don't know about this, about this the persecution, you know, the martyrdom. You know, Marta and, and Joe, we often think about the persecution of Christians. We think oftentimes of long time ago, being you know, the Christians being fed to the lions in the Colosseums in Rome. And yes, that really, really did happen. However, there's actually been more martyrdom of Christians in the last century and up to, to this very day than there was all on all those early centuries of the church. And one of those places was the church in Ukraine. Right. And, and significantly, uh, Pope John Paul II visited Ukraine in uh, 2001, and he actually um, declared 37 martyrs of the church and laid the cornerstone for the new campus that we're building. So a lot of this has to do with Pope John Paul II. And as you know, he was quite uh, instrumental in bringing down the communist system uh, together with. So he blessed the cornerstone of the Ukrainian Catholic University? The, the new campus that was being built right now. It'll be the first Western-style campus on the territory of the Soviet Union as well. It's taken its ideas, its architectural ideas, both from North America and Europe. But interestingly, it's blended the traditional Ukrainian architectural styles as well. Oh, now, what is significant, significant about this institution on, on the church scene and the global scene? Well, first of all, it um, teaches people not to fear, live in, in, live in one community and not to fear. The Soviets, as you know, uh, their tactics were, was to instill fear in people. Mm-hmm. You know, the stories of young children tattling on their parents, sending their parents to prison because they were saying something against the state. The Ukrainian Catholic University is actually teaching people to breathe freely, to understand what freedom is, what mm. democracy is, what Christianity is. The Soviets also... Uh, were, uh, I think, uh, 
destroyed a lot of Christian values, destroyed a lot of uh, human ideas of human rights. Mm -hmm. The person in the Soviet Union was not regarded as a human being. They were regarded as an instrument of the state. And now um, Ukraine Catholic University is bringing back Christian values, Christian traditions. One of the most interesting things I think about the university is because it's privately funded, it does not rely on government. So whereas, mm. uh, unfortunately, the Ukrainian government often backslides mm -hmm. on democracy and, yeah. and moral values, the Ukrainian Catholic University doesn't do that, and the Ukrainian Catholic Church does not do that. There's no corruption involved. There's um, a very open, transparent process to get into the university uh, there because because we are privately funded, because the university relies on funds from foundations, from North American, generous North American donors, both Roman Catholics, um, Ukrainian Catholics, uh, Eastern Rite Catholics, as well as people who are interested in moving the um, borders of democracy further east. The Ukrainian Catholic Church is instrumental in that because it is an Eastern Rite Church and it uh, also takes in full, in full a communion with Rome. So it mm -hmm. also takes Western tradition and, you, and Eastern tradition and moves it east. Now, for our listeners, we, we may take some of this for granted. We may not understand the gravity of this. For instance, in our culture, we have colleges, and they're, they're, they're the, the great bastions of freedom of speech and, and, and education and so on. But in the Ukraine, in that area of Europe that was under the Soviet oppression, we have to understand that they weren't allowed to express anything. They weren't allowed to even think or, or to do anything other than the, what the government would allow. So, you, they, in a sense, a generation grew up, uh, more than a generation, that didn't have this sense of how do you think, how, what really, in fact, it, the, the Soviet uh, government, uh, communism, took culture away. That's what it does. It's sort of anti-cultural. It replaces it with its own sort of culture, but it's not really culture. Three years ago, our listeners may remember, there was a, it was a big news event here, fortunately. It was the election in Ukraine of the president, remember? And there was a corruption in the election. And, and the, the one Ukrainian candidate won, but it was, I think, wasn't it Putin's man? He was his puppet or whatever that, that they claim, no, he actually won. And they tried to get him in. Absolutely. And there was this rebellion against that right in the square, the town square. And it was all these young students. And I suspect some of those students must have come from this university or inspired by them. Absolutely. And one of the interesting things about uh, that was the Orange Revolution, and that was in December of 2004. And one of the most interesting things about that university is the rector, uh, Father Boris Gudiak, told his students that this is the best lesson in democracy that you could learn. So mm. he sent them all to, uh, well, he didn't send them all. They all wanted to go, but um, they all came to Kiev and stood outside. It was December. It was really cold, but everybody was out to make sure that the truth won out. And the Democratic candidate, uh, Viktor Yushchenko, who, um, who eventually won as president after three rounds, uh, they witnessed all of that. And Father Boris uh, gave them three credits for uh, a lesson in democracy. So that was a living lesson that they were able to learn. This is precisely the type of thing that dictatorships would fear because enlightened minds, enlightened minds change history. They influence government. And if you don't want that influenced, if you want to uh, just uh, have your ideas reigning in tyranny, then you're going you're gonna to have an opposition towards an institution like this. And I think they have, in fact, experienced a little bit of that, haven't they? Absolutely. And one of the one of the quotes, uh, one of my favorite quotes that comes to mind is something that uh, Miroslav Marinovich, who was a political prisoner, spent 10 years in the gulag and in exile 
um, and now is vice director of the Ukrainian Catholic University, says he says that the university is here to change people's mentality. It means to change their spiritual attitudes and show them uh, democracy and transparency. Yeah, and Father, this this really permeates throughout the university. I had the mm-hmm. uh, distinct opportunity to travel uh, last week with the vice rector, mm-hmm. and um, we were visiting some um, uh, some of the Catholic universities here just to get ideas how our, you know certain libraries are set up, get an mm-hmm. idea for you know workflow, etc. But one of the things we talked about, which was was so beautiful, is the the core of the university is really built on the precepts and teachings of of their Catholic faith and mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And from there, if that confidence and that ability is is known, then you could really grasp and understand the world and uh, you know how you affect it, as opposed to learning about the world and then trying to see, well, how does God fit into right, to exactly. all of this? Yeah, you know, uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth says in his first encyclical, Deus Caritas, and he repeats the theme over and over again that the role of the church is to inform reason. In other words, to inform, help governments, not to tell government what to do, not to be government, but it's to help government in their discernment process on what is the most reasonable, rational, fair, and just, uh, equitable, virtuous way to proceed on policies. And so this is precisely like what this university is, is doing. It's helping to inform minds so that government can be informed. We can make an impact of to, uh, for a world that would be you know, much more just. Joe, how did you get involved in this? Your name doesn't sound Ukrainian. No, it's not Ukrainian. <laughs> Actually, a, a, a former co-worker or a, uh, that, that works at UCF, um, said, Joe, they, the foundation is growing and, and looking for somebody to uh, evangelize and, and spread the word within the, the uh, western provinces of Canada and the Great Plains states. Would you be interested? So um, I, I sent the resume in and uh, began the dialogue. And I was, from the minute I met with our executive director, Alex Kuzma, I was just, just captivated with the history and what's going on in the the perseverance and faith of the Ukrainian you know, people mm-hmm. to uh, to accomplish what they've, they've set out to do. And I just I just embraced what they were doing. And so so you're, you're very tuned into, obviously, you have to believe in and impressed by, by their vision or their mission. And how, how would you, what's your sense of that? The, the vision and mission? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's really, uh, it's, it's all centered in faith. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. through trials and persecution, the, the core value uh, and beliefs were never abandoned mm-hmm. and perseverance. Yeah. And that's something that, that I admire as an individual. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, through prayer, uh, it, it just said, help, help this grow. Now, Marta, this institution, although, as you said, Joe, thousands of miles away, <laughs> has a connection and availability for us here, doesn't, doesn't it? Um, sure, you can. Uh, first of all, we we invite everybody, all of your listeners, to support the Ukrainian Catholic University because it is so unique, and that can be done through looking at our website, which is usef.org. We also uh, encourage uh, encourage your listeners to attend some of our. We have a su- summer school that goes on every year, and the summer school is there's a school of icon painting, which is mm. a six week course. There's a school of Ukrainian culture. There's a school of philosophy. Um, there's a school of theology. Mm-hmm. All of those, those are either three or six week courses. And the interesting thing is that the Ukrainian Catholic University not only offers summer courses in Ukraine, in Lviv, in the Carpathian Mountains, in Western Ukraine, but also in Rome. As I'd mentioned mm. earlier, Patriarch Slipi had 
um, had opened up the had established reestablished the university in 1963, and in the 70s and 80s, a lot of us, a lot of us uh, of my generation would go there in the summer to learn about Ukrainian culture, the Ukrainian church mm. history. So that continues, and that's also on our website. So if anybody's interested in donating or attending any of our courses. Um, that's on our website. We also have an online Ukrainian language course, and that's actually need to uh, make contact with the university and see how those courses are available. Okay, now again, that website is ucef.org. That's right. Ucef.org. In other words, Ukrainian Catholic, Catholic Education Foundation. And so, you, any last, we're going to run out of time here. Any last little Little points that you'd like to make to the audience. Uh, I'm sure they, they've been introduced to something that I'm sure they didn't, they weren't aware of. The whole Ukrainian business Catholic Church, you know, and the fact that you have this young patriarch and also this magnificent effort in Ukraine. Any specific things you'd like the audience to be left with? Yeah, take the time as I visit the website, and also though too take take the time and and learn the faith because as you as you as you mentioned, Father, you know, with with that as the core. Mm-hmm. Everything else kind of makes sense, right? Exactly. So, really, yeah. Take some time, visit the website, and uh, yeah, just just study up on the on the faith. And it's exciting to watch something grow. I mean, right now we're taking, you know, we're we're like a, a teenager, right? We're 15, 16, 17 years old, and we have growing pains, but it's all exciting because it's all new and the future is bright and ahead of us, and it really is adding a lot of positive momentum to the development of an independent Ukraine, which August 24th celebrates 20 years of independence. Well, thank you so much for being here, Marta and Joseph on Light of the East. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road. Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>